In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Would all the kids up through the eighth grade please come forward? all y'all together. Get over here so I can look at all y'all together. Um, if you were to compare yourself to any animal, what animal would you be? What, do, what animal do you think you would be? A who? A panda? Why do you want to be a panda? Why would you be a panda? They what, they're gentle? What about you, Bukumi? What would you be? What would you be, Maggie? Do you know? You know what I would be? An elephant. You know why? You know why? Elephants are the, one of the strongest. They're the smart, they're the, one of the strongest animals. They, they, they have thick skin and thick legs and a long trunk. You know, a, a, their long trunk can crash, crash over a tree. Did you know that? It can turn over a car. Did you know that about elephants? And best of all, they eat over 100 pounds of food a day. And I love to eat. I love to, maybe not what they eat, but I love to eat. Um, but you know what else about elephants? They, they, they love, yeah, huh? Well, they love peanuts too. I like peanuts because I'm a goober, you see? <laughs> That's what they call me in school, Father Ger Stan Gerber. Goober, they call me goober. So, anyway, I don't know why. So, so, but they love, they love the other elephants. If, if an elephant is sick, the other elephants will all hang around it until it gets better. If, if there's a baby elephant, the mother elephant and other elephants will take care of that baby elephant. They take care of their own. So they're strong and they're loving and caring. And they're smart. Elephants are. So, so Jesus, is, Jesus is walking along with his disciples. And you know what the disciples... Well, the gospel reading just said they were, they were arguing about something. What do you think they were arguing about? What? He asked them a question. What do you think they were arguing about? About something Jesus said? You know what? I think, I tell you what they were arguing about. They were arguing about who's the greatest. Which one of them is the greatest of all of all the all twelve of them? Which one's the greatest? They were arguing. I'm the greatest. No, you're the greatest. Wait, 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 wait. yes. What were you thinking? Peter, James, and John. Yeah. So that was that was. His, I don't know if it was, they were his favorite, but that was his inner circle, right? They would hang around Jesus more than the others. And so probably Peter and James and John were saying, we're with Jesus a whole lot more than y'all. We're his favorites. You ever do that with your mom about who's favorite? Which one does your mom love most? Uh, of course. Yeah. I have eight brothers and, I mean, seven brothers and one sister. And, 
you know, everybody, all my brothers and sisters, they knew that my mom loved me best. They knew that. And uh, <laughs> your sister knows your Marion, is that right? You know that she's your mom's favorite? <laughs> you already know that. <laughs> You're just going to accept it, right? Yeah, okay. So, so, but they were arguing. Who's the greatest? And, and so, um, I wonder what Jesus was trying to teach them. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how, how, how tough you are. It doesn't matter if you can knock over cars with your trunk. I mean, disciples don't have trunks, but it doesn't matter. He says, what matters is how loving you are. What matters is how much you care. What matters is how you treat others. That's what Jesus said. Doesn't matter if you're big or little. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. It matters if you love others and if you care for others. That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples and that's what Jesus is teaching us. Okay? So let's always remember that. Yeah, we like to be, we like to be the best we can be. And God wants us to be the best we can be. But that Jesus loves the next person just as much as he loves us. Okay? All right. You want to get, if you want to get a packet, you can take a packet and go sit down. Or if you can just go back and sit with your mom or your dad. It's up to you. Thank you. No. So there were some children in Sunday school one day and they were being tested. And the teacher wanted to see if they understood this whole concept about how to get into heaven. And the teacher asked, the Sunday school teacher asked, if I sold my house and if I sold my car and I had this big sale and came to the junk in the trunk garage sale at St. Timothy's next Saturday <laughs> and gave all my money to the church, would that get me into heaven? And all the kids together said, no. Sunday school teacher said, if I cleaned the church every day and mowed the lawn and kept everything tidy, would that get me into heaven? And all the children again said, no. Sunday school teacher said, well, then if I were kind to animals and I gave sweets to all the little children and loved my husband, would that get me into heaven? And again, all the little kids said, no. And the teacher was bursting with pride with what she taught. And she continued, then how can I get into heaven? And one six-year-old little boy raised his hand. He said, you got to be dead. <laughs> Legendary coach Vince Lombardi once said, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. And Lombardi he, Lombardi, he complained that he was misquoted, but there are people who believe that winning is the only thing that matters. We all like to win, don't we? We all want to be part of the crowd chanting, we're number one, we're number one. For example, Joe Jacoby of the Washington Redskins once said, I would run over my own mother to win the Super Bowl. And hearing Jacoby's boast, Matt Millen of the Oakland Raiders said, to win, 
I would run over Joe's mother's Joe's mother too. <laughs> there are many people today who would divide this world into two groups, the winners and the losers. And it doesn't matter how many people you have to step on, the only thing that matters is to win. So Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Capernaum, and the master asks them an embarrassing question. It grew very quiet when he asked, what were you arguing about? You can almost feel the flush on their faces. Before this, Jesus had been talking with them about his coming death. He even told them about his resurrection, but they didn't understand. They were too busy. Something big was happening all around them. That much they knew. Jesus was different. Crowds were everywhere. Crowds sensed it too. So for them, Jesus talking about his death was not important because Jesus was still young. He was only around 30 years old. He was in good health. He was coming into power, no doubt about that. And when he did, those disciples, they wanted to be in positions of power with him. I can just hear them speculating, whispering among themselves. Jesus was another David, really, a king. He still would need generals and diplomats, and someone would have to be his secretary of state, and he'll need generals and and ambassadors, and he'll need publicity and, and, and the whole cabinet, vice president even. He'll need all these people. And Jesus said, the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they couldn't hear that message. Not because they had wax in their ears, but because they had false glory in their eyes. They were ready to serve their king. And so he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest among them. They were human, just like you and I are human. And some of the greatest people who ever lived were also the most ambitious. The disciples wanted their names to be in lights, just as you and I want to stand out from our peers. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it doesn't cause us to mistreat others or to betray our values. My guess is Jesus wanted them to be ambitious because ambitious people get things done. He just wanted them to be ambitious in the right way. So sitting down, Jesus called the 12 disciples together and he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, He must be the very last and the servant of all. Think about these words for a moment. If you want to be the greatest, you must learn to serve others. So what does it mean to be a servant? So I find this interesting. Some of you might remember that famous experiment that was performed by Princeton Theological Seminary a few years back. 20 theological students, uh, future ministers of the gospel, 
were instructed to go to a recording studio and make a tape recording of their interpretation of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And remember, the Samaritan was the only one who stopped to help, to help the person who had been beaten and robbed. Well, unknown to these students, a professional actor had been hired to stage an act for them as they each walked along the route from their dormitory to the recording studio. And as each student passed this actor, he would clutch his heart and gasp and fall to the ground. And amazingly, sadly, 60% of these theological students did not stop. They trudged right on by to keep their appointments with the tape recorder. These same students who were planning their dissertation on the Good Samaritan literally stepped over this slumped over body as they hurried along. There's not much of a servant mentality there, is there? A comedian said he was once mugged, he was beaten up, his face was blackened and bruised. Someone asked him, why didn't you fight back? His answer was, I started to, but I decided not to get involved. <laughs> Non-involvement is the curse of our time. And of course, we have many ways of rationalizing our lack of involvement. We don't pick up hitchhikers because we might get hit over the head. We don't stop to help someone with a medical emergency because we might get sued. We don't want to give the homeless man any money because he's just going to go spend it on drugs and alcohol anyway. Now, now, to be sure, there may be a whole lot of truth in some of these rationalizations. But the hard truth of our lives is that we would much rather be served than to serve and to receive than to give. And yes, of course, there are exceptions to this broad generalization, and some of you are that exception. In fact, we are usually thrilled when we hear of someone giving of themselves for another. There are still people who sacrifice for others, and we are thankful for that. But many, many people, I am sorry to say, have forgotten what Christ meant when he said that we are to be a servant to all. Service is the key to successful living. Service is actually the key to becoming the greatest. We can see this in businesses, can't we? We, we enjoy spending our money with companies that give us the best service. We may choose a fast food restaurant, not because of the quality of the food, but because of the cleanliness of the restrooms. How many of you make a point to wait until you get to Bucky's, right? <laughs> we may choose a supermarket, not because it always has the lowest prices, but because the personnel are always so friendly and, and helpful. The key to success in business is service. We also see that in our community. The people we usually honor are those who best serve the community. That's why the funeral homes are so crowded with people who come to pay their last respects to those who have served their community well. In serving others, many, many other lives are touched. The key to a successful life is service. 
And the same holds true for churches. Those churches which are most attractive to others are those who genuinely serve their communities. Any great church is one which serves its community. And one way we do that is in our ministry to each other. What happens if if a church doesn't take care of its children? What happens if a church doesn't take care of its elderly? We should never have any problem finding people to work with our young people. We should never ever have any trouble finding people to work with any part of the church's ministry with shut-ins, with the elderly, with the building itself to make it as beautiful a place as the house of the Lord deserves to be. It's the teaching of Jesus, you must be last of all and servants of all. But let's admit it right here, right now. None of us wants to be last. None of us likes that word servant, especially in our day and age. Servants don't get a whole lot of thank yous. Servants don't get half of what they're worth. Servants live in the shadow of wealth, but seldom sit at the table of wealth. Servants really serve. And then to make the teaching stick, Jesus suddenly has this child on his lap and he says to his disciples, when you spend your precious time with children like these, when you teach them about me, when you love them because you love me, when you care for their needs, when you wipe their runny noses, when you make them smile and laugh because you are my servant, do not expect a thank you from them. When one such child is received in my name, you've received me and that is enough. Folks, we are a servant people. And if we are to be a great church, we must discover people's needs and meet those needs. If we are going to be a great church, we must be a church that serves boys and girls and young people and aging persons and and teachers and students and the entire church family, as well as the community outside. Service is the key to greatness. Now, this is true of our individual lives as well, not just as a body here at St. Timothy's. As somebody once put it, live such a life that when it comes your time to die, the undertaker is sad as well. If we were to be the greatest person in our communities, we've got to be a person who is willing to serve the community, to serve the town, to serve the church. That is the key to greatness. St. Paul says in his letter to the church in Philippi, Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, became a man and took upon himself the form of a servant. God himself took on the form of a servant. There was Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. There was Jesus carrying his cross to Golgotha. There was Jesus saying to his beloved disciple, John, after his resurrection, feed my sheep. There was Jesus teaching the children in Sunday school. 
There was Jesus serving at the altar as a verger or an acolyte. There was Jesus singing in the choir week after week. There was Jesus painting the walls in the nursery. There was Jesus arranging flowers to take to the ill and the infirm. There was Jesus working on the altar guild. You see, that's who we are. We're servants. And we dare not forget where we came from or to whom we belong. We are the company of the committed. We are the servant community. We are the body of Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for others. So do you want to be number one? Do you want to be the greatest? Do you want to be a winner? If so, you must be a servant to all, not just those you choose, but to everyone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.